G'day, welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. Lisa Salvo of On Diamond, our feature guest this episode. Their self-titled album sees Salvo splashed across the cover in orange in front of a mountain and the vinyl that colour of orange too. More about them and from them soon. But first... In the box. Friendly Fire Silhouettes, the single recorded in James Ford's attic with an album Inflorescent on the way, recorded in studios across London. This cut nods to Brazilian disco records and making clear why it's fine to miss a plane. Vocal beat throughout Door from Caroline Poltacek. Known as the vocalist of Chairlift, this is a solo project. Band is no longer. Two years on a strong output of liquid lyricism has come forth. Ben Evelyn, Shiver, is off their debut album, Wanderous. Musician based in the north of Australia and can hear through their work the dusty, humid and sometimes sparseness of the state they come. One more cut for this episode and a remix at that. Oh my my, leave you at the bottom. Reported have gone viral. Quote as saying, suited for the sweaty 3am dance floors. Featuring the vocals of Sam Fay. Most notably for me, a capacity launch at the news agency in Sydney, Australia for its original release. Time for our feature guest. Undiamond released their self-titled debut album in April 2019, out through East Mint. All the songs were written by Lisa Salvo, our guest. Salvo released their solo debut back in October of 2014 called I Could Have Been a Castle, then moved into more collaborative mode with their latest project as a five-piece, including Scott McConaughey, guitar, Jules Pascoe, bass, Maria Moles, drums, and Hannah Cameron, whose latest solo record is called I Lay Where You Lie on vocals and guitar. Their album has been featured on numerous radio stations, sometimes emotively dark but always with strong narrative that dig deep into the groove of what they've achieved on this release. Joining Radio Notes on the line to talk life, music and more is Lisa Salvo. Lisa Salvo, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you. The colour orange for me represents David Hicks in prison, but for you I believe it has a more personal connection. A family member of mine favourite colour of which one of the songs is dedicated to and I don't really talk to this um, person anymore but I still feel a strong connection so I guess that's uh, partly where the orange came from or originated from. For me orange also represents creativity and positivity and so because a lot of the themes on the record are from my kind of upbringing and trauma um, that came along with some of those circumstances. I really wanted to represent the music and the sound visually in a positive and creative way because it, it really was geared towards taking those negative experiences and moving forward in my life. There is a metaphor of you wearing orange as a shield of positivity. Yeah, I don't know if it's a shield, but yes, it it does represent that. I guess a a shield to me is kind of like keeping things away, but it's been kind of impossible to do that because the, I guess, issues I'm dealing with now are inward. So yeah, it's sort of planting a seed of positivity, I guess, inside and visually so that others can respond to that. 
it makes more sense with the sound of the record, which is not which is not just low and depressing sounding, I guess. This particular record coming a few years after your solo debut album, is there mm. a sense of self-discovery and strength that came through the making of this record? Definitely, yeah. The previous record, I kind of think of that as the beginning of my true creative journey, musically, really, and um, just getting in touch with what I actually wanted to express through my music more as the sound of it and the songwriting and developing that. This record I was making during a time, because I have had, um, a, I did have a traumatic upbringing, so I eventually found my way into therapy, which uh, I don't mind um, talking about that because I think it's really positive for us to acknowledge that do sometimes have to deal with things professionally in order to progress in life. Going to therapy seems, as I say that, seems a very modern thing to say for people to do, but there's been different versions of that across the years. For you, Lisa, what was the decision to go to therapy? I guess because the manifestation of trauma was was kind of coming out in anxiety in particular situations that related to experiences I'd had or that had happened in my family. I couldn't really function or um, get to where I needed to be to to live a content life and just feel okay day to day. I knew I had to do something, but I'd, I'd tried some therapy before it hadn't really worked out. But then luckily a friend was able to give a recommendation of their therapist who was amazing so I know sometimes these things don't work out and I've experienced that but when you find the right fit for you you can really get a lot of work done which is exciting because it means you can see your life in more of a direction that you would like to go. It is work on yourself on your perception of where you're going. Yeah it's really hard work especially for the first few years and now it's sort of I, I know myself a lot better I can pick up on my triggers and sort of feel like I'm a little bit more on top of it but I've still got lots of work to do of course. And are you a person who journals? Don't journal I've never been a journaler actually it's really hard for me to make myself do that and I also I try to write my dreams down but I'm very 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 bad at it the songwriting is how I end up processing a lot of the lessons I'm learning and anguish that I feel. It sort of goes into the songwriting. That's where it goes, I guess. And also the performance of the music is always fueled by that as well. So you are a person yeah. who dreams? I do dream. Not all the time. I go through periods where I I have a lot of dreams and I and I often have these kind of strange recurring themes even if the dreams are different that definitely come from my subconscious and you know the life that I was born into I can sort of pinpoint those things in my dreams which is why I'm really supposed to write them down but that's still that's something I still need to learn to do. Have you got yourself over the last few years and I'm guess framing it between the first solo record and now to give 
the listener who may listen to those two records a sense of development or otherwise, have you now got a Mm. sense of independence in yourself as you're moving forward? Yeah, I think there is a much greater feeling of independence. I guess the the solo record, although it wasn't solo, there were other musicians on the record. The themes that I was putting forward were more, you know, relationship, unrequited love, this kind of thing. And I guess they're issues that lots of people experience. But on this on Diamond Record, I address the issues that were pertinent, most pertinent to me and and my development. So, I guess thematically, it makes more sense to be and where I'm at at life and you know my age to be talking about these kind of issues and experiencing them and and also sharing them with others. Then leaning towards the fact that there is now maybe through a music community or maybe those within the band, a sense of a support structure that allows you to be more more of yourself or more expressive in a sense, possibly? Oh, definitely. I feel really lucky because apart from friendship and um, kind of community, I really feel like the band supports the expression of emotion and trauma through their playing I kind of like I like to think of it as the songs are sort of a reflection of my inner world and the band all help to express that by sharing parts of their inner world even though we've all had different experiences literally I'm sure they all relate to it in their own way and they share of their own inner world through doing that it's a very cathartic thing for me to have other people indulge indulge me in that way and also for themselves to get so involved. So there is a level of positivity about uh, playing these tunes that have been, I guess, born in a way from trauma, but they have their own life outside of that through this positivity that you seem to have within. Definitely. I think part of it is that the songs, are sort of alive themselves because in a way they're really serious, the songs and the, the lyrics, but I guess because the way we play them is is really interactive. They almost have their own life, so it's like each time they're played or each time I think about them or listen to them, they're almost still doing the work that they were born out of because I don't really see my progress as as completely linear, you know, start to finish, you're always going backwards and forwards when you're dealing with trauma and trying to relearn behaviours that you've been carrying out since you were young. Laughing in the face of the big door, the big door initially one might think to a heaven or a hell, but it, it's something else, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That song originally I think I wrote it after watching the latest season of Twin Peaks and um, there's sort of this huge sequence in one of the episodes that is really wild and it's sort of Cooper the main character 
going into kind of electrical sockets, like putting his hand in there and ending up in a totally different place. And then lots of kind of psychedelic visuals. I guess that first inspired me to write the song and that I didn't have a theme in my mind when I wrote it. But then reflectively, I think it represents my own sort of ending up at lots of closed doors and wondering what is on the other side? Do I actually want to be on the other side? Am I better where I am now? If I open the door in the lyrics, it says, will I see all my nightmares free in the broad daylight? Um, so I guess it's also a fear of the unknown and where you're going. It sort of rounds off with a sense of, well, I'm just going to continue on my journey and my path. And if there's a door that's closed to me, I'll find a way to open it or a way around it. And whatever is behind that door, I am accumulating the tools to be able to deal with that, whatever is there. (laughs) A key ring of keys in your life and there's only certain keys that you get. And you get a chance to check those keys out with these might be big doors, but sometimes the Mm. key doesn't fit for a reason. It wasn't given to you for, for some reason. Exactly. That's true. I want to pick up on your idea that we've lost contact with the idea of the human soul, a pretty heavy topic to speak about. Mm -hmm. Do you think we have lost out on the human soul, that we're too busy in the mechanisms of every day to actually engage with the soul? Uh, Largely, I think, yes. And, you know, there might be, I guess, different lifestyles or circumstances might show that in different ways well we're kind of stuck in this ridiculously structured system that's out of most of our control in terms of you know the way the world is set up now for some people I guess going along with what's prescribed to them and the conventional lifestyle and the things that they want and the goals that we have and you know a lot of it's based around money And there's a huge amount of busyness that comes with that that just really means that matters on the inside are put on the back burner. And I think the other side of that is people who have chosen a different lifestyle or they don't have access to even make any money or, you know, have those kind of jobs. Or I feel those people are kind of squashed under the thumb of that system and just trying to survive. So... That's another way that, you know, don't have the time or the energy to engage with what's inside. I note, and I currently am speaking to you on the lands of the Ghana people, that both online as well as on the record, you do acknowledge the Indigenous communities. I've come to that by education in the local scene and from local Indigenous people that we need to be helping to give Indigenous people a voice and you know a lot of people might pick up a record and see that for the first time I think it's important that everyone just does their part whatever they feel that can be or wherever they're up to in their political engagement because I think for me the more okay I'm becoming myself I'm more able to engage with political matters and try to help people outside of myself as well in that way. What's your sense of community, Lisa? 
this is a, a little bit of a loaded question for me because part of my upbringing, and I don't mind like briefly touching on it, is I was born into a cult actually. So it initially, I think the community aspect for me as an adult, once I got out of religion, like the cult thing sort of led on to a more conventional religion and um, but I was totally brainwashed. And then when I came out of that, I think I was a little bit wary of any kind of community in a way. So through music, I've eventually been able to let down my guards and find the right people around me who I felt I could trust and then learn to open up and have community with people instead of being terrified of that. Yeah, I guess community is part of every day of my life now. I'm lucky to have lots of supportive people around me and also people that I can support and share ideas with. And uh, I think it's a really important part of any scene. And in the arts, we're lucky because it's normal to make connections based on uh, feelings, support, activism or whatever else is going on. Thank you for sharing that. Hi, I'm Rishi K. Sherway. And I'm Joshua Molina. We're from the West Wing Weekly, and you're currently listening to Radio Notes. Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, and those in life chat music, and more. You can join us on the West Wing Weekly for an episode-by-episode breakdown of the television show The West Wing. Josh was the star of the show, and we give you behind-the-scenes insights and deep dives into the issues raised in the storylines of the show. You can find us on radiotopia.fm or through your favorite podcaster. For now... Back to John Merch and Radio Notes. Co-founder of East Mint. Can we have a chat about this? It's a label. I guess it's not a conventional label. Myself and two friends, Genevieve Fry and Asala Leonage, started the label. Essentially, it was because we hadn't found people to put out our records, so, but we still wanted to put a lot of effort into it and have a platform to do that from. They already had this great, performance space that they'd been running for a while and it made sense to sort of extend what we were doing to include releasing music. The support network that formed because of that was almost life-saving in a way because before that I'd just been doing everything by myself and getting extremely frustrated and depressed about the state of the music industry but sort of my my struggling within that and feeling like I I had the uh, content to offer, but I didn't have the industry support or, you know, that kind of thing. We really just help each other with everything and everything industry-related. We're there for each other. It sounds a bit cheesy, but I have a space I can vent and voice my goals and not feel strange about doing that. There's some, also some very cool artists on there, Cold Hand, Warm Heart being one. They're really great. And they're, that's uh, Jenna Nassler's band. They do like a song cycle with improvisation in between and they have harp and it's quite beautiful. Some of the other artists on there, like Evelyn Morris has a duo called Crush Crush with Aviva Undine. We put one of their records out last year. And then we've got Prudence Reese Lee. She's kind of like this, dramatic pop 
artist, I guess. And she's based in LA now, but she's a good friend of ours, so we're putting her record out in July. Could you give us a bit of an idea of what Prudence's release will be like? Several years ago, Prudence put out the first record, which was called Court Music from the Planet of Love. That wasn't on Eastman. I don't think we'd formed yet. And that was kind of like medieval pop folk or something like this. That was a really great record. And so now Prue's living in Los Angeles for the last few years. So she's got herself a hot LA band. (laughs) It's very kind of dramatic pop in the way that she always sets the mood in her music. If you get to see some of her visuals, it totally makes so much sense together and her video clips are always really magical and they put you into a world. The lyrics of How is hone into the lyrics of this song, My Name and Loaded Gun in the Invisible Family Tree. This, uh, I guess my name, I'm referring to my family name. I guess specific circumstances relating to my family whereby the name that I my last name is a reminder of a very not ideal family experience. So, you know, also Salvo, which is my last name, literally is to do with gunpowder and explosion in some way. Yeah, that's what that lyric's referring to. Do you have conversations within the band that they then maybe not physically, but in a metaphoric way, and hold your hand and, and help you through the lyrical process. So you're still the writer of the lyrics, but there's some sort of mm. conference that happens with the rest of the band. Um, no. Our band's funny because everyone's individual musical approach and voice is so strong and individual to what they do. We sort of just, um, you know, I write the song and the, the lyrics. We don't really talk about what the music's about, but I guess because I'm a fairly um, expressive person, we do end up talking about it in general, but not really as, as a band exercise. They'll hear the song, sometimes I'll send them a demo, or sometimes I'll just bring what material I have, which might be like a melody and chords and my lyrics. And then we sort of just play the song and uh, don't work on it too much at first. <laughs> Give it some breathing room and often start playing it live when it's fairly underdeveloped and then it grows through that process. And then we end up settling on something, you know, for how we play the song. All the vocals were recorded at the Purple Place, which my understanding is you moved out of, of last November. Yeah, the Purple Palace is just the nickname I gave to my old house. Scott, the guitarist in On Diamond, is my partner. And uh, we've been lucky enough to sort of have our own, like, you know, extra room each in our house to work. So I had my own room and it was a really beautiful room. It was um, on the second story of our house. And outside my window, there's a huge tree and there were often bats in there flying around at night time. Yeah, I could sort of see the tops of lots of houses. It was quite beautiful. So it was really inspiring to have 
and I love staying home. Like I could happily stay home and not go anywhere for months. It was nice that my my workspace was right there. There is such an outstanding lineup you have on this record, but one of the members, let's have a chat regarding them. Hannah Cameron, mm-hmm. where did you meet? Mm-hmm. Through a mutual musician friend. I After the solo record, Hannah's actually the longest standing member of the band when it was still called Lisa Salvo, just under my name. So she started playing in the band, I think, pretty much as soon as, the solo record was being played live and back then it was sort of more dream folk music and Hannah is a beautiful folk artist so that made a lot of sense. I just listened to her record on a friend's recommendation and I thought yeah that'd be a good fit. We're currently in conversation with Lisa Salvo of On Diamond. The self-titled release from On Diamond is out through East Mint and supported by Creative Victoria, the Australian Council of the Arts, as well as some other funding bodies as well. What's your feelings about this generation that's all about the stream over the listen? Mm. (laughs) Well, that's a very depressing... um... Let's have a chat about it and see if we can find some answers. Unstreaming. Well, actually, I came to a more positive thought about it the other day because, you know, for a lot of musicians, it's just an ongoing, we could whinge about that for a long time and I'm happy for people to do that. I think it's their right to do that. I wish that it was an expectation that musicians should be able to recoup and also make profit on their expenses and from their music when they, you know, when it comes time to sell it. And so unfortunately most consumers' money is now going to an overarching umbrella, which doesn't really benefit the artist. And on top of that, we're lectured to really engage with that platform and get out that stuff. And, you know, I've definitely been lectured by industry people before when I've complained and, like, you know, told that it's such a good opportunity for exposure etc i prefer to um <sighs> yeah it is, it is that modern day it's, version of it's it's about the exposure isn't it and that was just as insulting yeah. back in the pub day when someone would tell you at the back of the room that that's what you had to do for free yeah exactly and i you know a lot of uh, areas of the industry are thriving and and I, I really have to say that it's at the expense of the, the musicians who are providing, who are the basis of the whole industry. And, and I don't really enjoy how it's just an accepted norm that's not really talked about by industry workers. I feel like, especially because our music industry in Victoria and Australia, especially Victoria, is so strong. I kind of feel like there is a lot of change that could happen if if it was a priority. You can't keep going on forever like this. <laughs> but I did have a positive thought the other day, which would still re- require decisions being made in opposite directions of what they are now. But because my friends and I were talking about it and And we were saying that, you know, before these convenient streaming platforms, there was Napster and and then, you know, other kind of torrent-based downloading, illegal downloading 
um, was popular. And so I guess some you could say that if Spotify and all the other ones didn't exist, um, that people would just go back to that. However, I think because uh, the level of convenience is so high with streaming, um, I don't know if people would go back to that kind of downloading because it's such a pain in the ass. Um, so I kind of feel if there was a way, like for example, Bandcamp, if people use something, if that was the industry standard where people can still listen to it, up, you know, three times free and after that they have to pay, I think they would just pay. I don't think they would then go, oh, I'm going to go back to the days of spending hours downloading music. The other side of those streaming things, like it's really exciting if an artist gets on a playlist. The reality of that is that someone just put that on. It's been going for four hours. They're not even listening anymore, you know, and if they are, or even if they like it, the chances that they'll actually look at who it is and follow that artist. I mean, they'd have to be a pretty engaged listener to be doing that. I've jotted down that you've performed with Malcolm Hill on his album. Malcolm Hill and Live Flesh is the band, and they just put out a record. Finally, Malcolm Hill, who's the songwriter and lead singer and guitarist in that band, also has a bit of an orange theme going at the moment. I met them through Dave. I think Dave Graney suggested me as a support for a gig of theirs. must have been four or five years ago. So I played a show with them. I played as a trio. Malcolm's real wacky. Like, his music's really wacky. And so I kind of enjoyed that. And we've just been friends ever since. The drummer, Helen Smart, is a really supportive musical friend. They're a little bit older than me. I really like hear the stories and be around people that have been in the industry for a long time because I think often their their musical values and their their way of operating is really chill. <laughs> it's mature. They, they're my friends now. And they're some, like, Malcolm's a really wacky character. Um, I kind of like that. It was just session-style thing where I went in and sang some backing vocals. Malcolm's a really good storyteller. He actually runs storytelling workshops with people in his community, like facilitates those. Back to On Diamond, your self-titled release, Lisa Salvo is speaking with us. She's lead vocalist and guitarist from this very band. The sounds within, the word improvisation comes up a fair bit. On Diamond's music is very inspired by improvised music, which I go to watch a lot. And Scott and Maria, the Scott's guitarist, Maria is a drummer. They play a lot of improvised, just free improvised music. So that comes in to the band a lot and, and, is, and is mainly why I chose them actually and other reasons. It's always based around a song structure. So it's, you know, a little bit um, rich to call it improvised music, but there's a lot of real-time reaction going on within the song structures and it also is a huge part of how we decide on the form of a song you know like how long sections are we'll often you know beginning sections or end sections of songs we'll often decide on that just through playing for a a non-nominated amount of time and then eventually it'll settle somewhere that makes sense then I might 
kind of form the vocals at the end of the song around that or something like that. I, th- I think where we are at now with our approach will continue for a little while. Yeah, we'll see where it goes for the next record, but we'll have to find a point of difference from this record somehow. Might be in the songwriting, I don't know. <laughs> Would you give some of the songwriting over to other members of the group or is that a no? Well, I did just tell them at our last rehearsal that if they have any ideas to just send them to me or bring them along. I I don't really want to suddenly start writing together in a room. I think that would be really awkward and I've never really done that before. But I think a good way for our band and sometimes the songs I bring in are just fragments initially and I form them around what their response is so I think that could work really well if we any of us have fragments and we can just form the song around that or I can sort of form the song around that yeah I think it might be a bit more collaborative with the writing next time as well though the current record the self-titled is very much a personal journey for you Lisa so Mm. how willing to give up that uh, authorship of the personal to other members of the group in terms of the lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if the others would would want to write lyrics, but obviously Hannah's a lyricist, but her our, our writing styles are really different. I think this album and the reason I'm on the front cover is not because I want to be the star of the band, but it, it is because it's so heavily tied to my personal journey and really it's the first time I've been able to express that part of my life which in the past I've been ashamed of and now I'm like that's just my life and and I just want to kind of put this forward as a statement of what I'm doing with this life. I don't think I need to do that again as this album release comes to a close and I can start thinking about new material and new things that I want to learn in my personal life that will probably form the new material but it might open up a little bit more and not just be about me in which case there's a lot of room for the others to have authorship and I'm really happy for that to happen I think they all have something really strong to say with their music through this self-titled record you've found your strength to turn away from that shame definitely yeah it's strange how important the music has been and the songwriting has been for me to move through difficulty in my personal life. It's been a huge part of the journey for me. Lisa Salvo, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, John. I really enjoyed our chat. Lisa Salvo of On Diamond. The five piece can be found online at ondiamond.net and their self-titled album is out through East Mint. TV Black Box has announced that former Australian Idol and current The Bachelor host will take on the role to guide contestants to the identity of the masked singer, for which an Australian version of the show will be made for Network 10 in the coming years. Speaking of TV, later in the episode, as they're still being held as I record, share some of the winners from the Australian television Night of Nights, which for the second year is being held in a place called the Gold Coast, and folk vie for a little gold statue or two. 
Notably, the voiceover again this year is Tony Martin from Sizzletown, the podcast. With that, I'm hoping Sam Mack, radio broadcaster in the past, morning television weatherman these days, takes one of the big ones home. Off the charts. Lil Nas X, second highest new entry in the single with Paneni, with their Old Town Road holding on to the number one single spot, their 7 EP new in the album charts at number five. Also new on the album chart, Mark Ronson's Late Night Feelings at seven, and at number eight, Madonna's Madam X drops in in its second week from its debut week at number two spot. Unlikely to see a number one from them, with Billie Eilish, Bruce Springsteen, and even Elton John jostling the top spots. Notable entry to the album chart, Hatchie, with Keepsake, new at 25, and as for the Australian artist album chart, it makes it in at number four. On the same chart, The Wiggles' Party Time, new at six, and Jimmy Barnes' My Criminal Record holds its number one spot. In fact, back to Madonna, they still get their number one vinyl album release last week, but now that very position is held in the first week by Midnight Oil's new live record. Here's nice to keep your eye and more importantly your ears out for. Jenna Rose Bruce is an outstanding artist that I've had the joy of seeing live alongside Ella Hooper and they're a powerhouse as a duo as a side note as well. They, Jenna Rose Bruce, have a moody, brooding and reflective release just out. Sharp and sarcastic, as well as uncluttered, states NPR. Album is called Can't Make You Love Me, a must. It will be an essential listening release for 2019 and it's out through Dot Dash Recordings. Our very own All India Radio have a new one coming out soon. They're responsible for our theme and our stings. On the way, it's called Eternal, which is a follow-up to their 2018 album titled Space. 200 copies of Eternal will be released on splattered vinyl, as well as two cuts from the said album are already available on Bandcamp as part of a movie star EP, they've called it. Movie Star EP by All India Radio, out now, and Eternal, the album, on pre-order, available later this year. Who sent what? Claire and Taylor Latest is All the Words, released early in 2019 and are currently on the road touring it. As well, they've been announced to be playing Queenscliff Music Festival. We've also penciled in a chat with them before the year's out. And of course, that means you'll hear from them being a musician on life right here. Codes in the Cloud have not released new music in a while, but the UK group is now signed to Adelaide, Australia's Hobbled Hoy Records and will be releasing Tide Like a Creep this Friday, July the 5th, 2019. There's a snippet of the cut over at their Facebook page recorded and produced by Ryan Lee West. Also in the mailbox, the wax of Raquel Compte's Where I've Begun. Been getting a few spins across the last few weeks. Tender release, perfect for a warm cup of tea and looking out into the garden.
it's a few hours away from the end of the year. The financial year, that is, as I record. It possibly is the brand new financial year by the time you hear. A bit unscripted here, just for a chat, bit of a chance to let you know what's going on, including the fact that we're still waiting for the Logie Award results to come through. I'll condense those, and right at the end, I'll give you a bit of a synopsis of some of those awards, so stay tuned. That will be coming up very soon. Uh, it should give you a bit of an idea of some of the guests that will be coming up in the next few episodes or so, recorded at the SA Museum. Bats will be on the way. Next episode, Kathy Renner. Looking forward to that. Her brand new album, Inside My Head. There's a bit of homework for you if you wish to have a listen to it. Inside My Head by Kathy Renner. That's Kathy with a K. And Renner is R-E-N-N-E-R. Also, a band from Queensland and Melbourne. I was going to say their name, but I have a feeling as tired as I am, I'll get it wrong. So stay tuned. Keep an eye on the socials at Radio Notes Podcast for more details as that comes forward. And also, I'm looking forward to having a chat finally, finally, with um, the very intriguing Sam Buckingham. We'll be talking to her about yoga. She also reminds me of the Holly Norman, who's been looking after the Melbourne Jazz Festival, has been doing some outstanding work in the yoga field as well, if you're not already following what she's been up to. I've also been getting ready to launch into some of the In the Archives. There's a few dots of I's and cross the T's that I just want to get right, and I've been going slowly, slowly with those. They'll be on their way before the year is out in some form or or other. Also, as much as it really does irk me in a way to mention, particularly for those listening on the radio, because it kind of doesn't make sense when I say it, if you are listening to the podcast, subscribing and following and giving reviews and stuff do help, allegedly. I don't like saying it. It feels like a hard sell. And as someone who used to stand out the front of cheap shoe store and sell $9 shoes to people who really needed more orthopedic support in their feet, it always feels a bit icky. Wowzers, I just had a look at where the uh, 61st Logie Awards are at, and it looks like Doctor Who's Jenna Coleman, starring in The Cry on the ABC, has won a silver Logie for Most Outstanding Actress. We've got um, about 10 minutes left of this episode. What a great excuse. While it's not Jenna Coleman, it is Doctor Who, and I still have two parts left of this interview to share with you. Let's do it right now. Off the cuff, let's... Dive into the archives. Some of the BBC recordings there off vinyl of uh, the Doctor Who series. We were talking with Katie Manning regarding some of these sounds, which uh, yeah could take all night just to get the simplest of sounds out. Do you have a vinyl collection back at home? I move too much, darling. I'm a gypsy. I move about every six months. I move country, flats. You know, I don't stay anywhere very long. I, have, I live that if you pull a string, my entire apartment collapses and I can move. My girlfriend um, in Australia has the most amazing vinyl collection. She has the best collection ever. Um, I have a lot of friends in England who have massive vinyl collections, but when you're a gypsy, you don't collect anything. What is it you like about vinyl when you get a chance to uh, rummage through your Australian girlfriend's collection? I tell you what I used to like, and I know it's coming back now. Hit me with it. The 45, where I didn't have to sit through a whole bunch of stuff on an album that I didn't want to hear. 
And the big hole as well, and trying to line it all up. Oh, I loved all that. And, I, and you know when you're in that sort of mood, and you just want to, like, play Hey Jude over and over when I was young, you know what I mean? And you just want to hear something and for that moment, because, you know, how music stems off your emotions so strongly and takes you, you know, music can take me right back. Most things can't, but I, because I very rarely look back on my life. But when I do, it's music that will take me there and smell. And, you know, I remember sitting down, you know, if I was sad or happy, there would always be 145 that I would have to play until I wore it out. It's so true. I know the breakup songs over the years and, uh, you know, they go on the radio and you you start crying or you'll pull them out to make yourself go there. And for me, of course, it brings back memories of shows that I've done, you know, and you suddenly think, oh, crikey, this was my interval music, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it, it takes you back to that moment, that show. Yeah. You might this, forget about otherwise. At this chorus, I have to be out of the bathroom, makeup on and ready to go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You mentioned Hey Jude, that means the Beatles. That means, and I know you have and I haven't yet, Paul McCartney with Nirvana. What? Ah, I did. See, no, I have. <laughs> I think he. I think he, for a minute he wasn't sure that he was actually playing with Nirvana. Um, it actually worked surprisingly well, and to watch the Who, you know, to watch Pete Townsend still being able to swing that arm around, you know, and Roger Daltrey was actually bearing his chest. I'm not sure about that, but he still looks in pretty good shape. But the favourite moment was when the Rolling Stones came on, and I looked and I thought, I don't know whether this makes me feel old or young. God bless them. They were up there and they're strutting their stuff. It just made, I mean, I'm grinning hugely as I'm speaking about this. It, you know, it was, it was quite extraordinary to see them all. And yes, Paul standing in, in with Nirvana. It, it was okay. It was kind of, it was very surreal, shall we put it that way. But even Barry sat there and we both sat there and enjoyed every moment. How, how fabulous that they're doing that instead of walking around being old people complaining. Did you ever get to see, and you probably did in your time here in Australia, the brief moments that you do get to spend with us, Spicks and Specks with Adam Hills? Oh, I loved it. Adam Hills is very big in England, darling. And, of course, Tim Minchin, I went to see, um, I went to see Matilda. And, you know, boy, because I, I loved Tim Minchin before I left. And to see what he's done with Matilda in the West End is just fan-bloody-tastic. You, you get someone like him, about every 10 years you get someone like that who plays and sings and yet is politically aware and also very funny. I mean, he has all of it in the satire, which he's so good at. You know, you read his tweets. He's a, he's a brilliant boy. Brilliant boy, musically very clever. He's just terrific. I have such respect for him. Well, you know, this country, as I always say, you know, to people overseas, you know, this country has produced wonderful musicians. I mean, I remember coming over here, I'm trying to think of the names, and I've gone completely blank. And I want to say Butterfly, but it was way back when I first came out here. And they weren't called Butterfly. I know my friend, if she was here, she'd know. But I remember hearing new Australian bands when I first came out here. And being deeply impressed. And as the years went by, you know, watching so many wonderful actors, musicians, comedians, you know, um, being born through this country um, from all parts of Australia, you know, as impressive as any anywhere else in the world. You know, I just wish there was greater outlets here for some of the enormous talent that there is in this country. 
and that they weren't basically, you know, because the trouble is here, and I, I, for me, I'd done everything I could do here. There was nothing else for me to do. Um, it, it, it is a small pool, and once you start banging your head against the side, you've got to go. And, you know, it's a great country, you stem off here, but to go any further, you have to go overseas, and I think that's very sad. You know, I think there should be a lot more created here in theatre with touring companies, you know. There's, there's money out there. I mean, Mel Gibson built a theatre for NIDA. Yes, that's all very lovely, but those students have got nowhere to go other than the lovely theatre that he's built for them. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? It would have been far more sensible. They had a theatre. There are students, you know? Yeah. would have been far more sensible to put together some sort of ability as a touring company. You know, there used to be a little bit of touring here, but of course then the money ran out. That's where people who've earned a huge amount of money overseas successfully who are Australian should be trying to put something. Just then, Dead Elvis from a group called the Doug Anthony uh, All-Stars... <laughs> Do you know, when I first came out here, can I tell you? Yeah. Um, when I first came out here, I was in Adelaide. We used to sort of hang out, and I didn't know anybody, and I was all a bit shy. And I was there, and, you know, they had their resident group, but they were, like, separate to us because we were, like, commercial. And um, there were these lovely boys there, and I got on. They were just so lovely, and I adored them in instantly. And they invited me to their show, and I went to see it, and that was the first they sung the dead. And everybody was sitting there in this sort of stunned silence, and I was crying with laughter. And I said, thank goodness I found my humor in Australia. Anyway, years went by. I introduced them to Barry. Well, as you know, he became the fifth blind brother mm-hmm. with all those wonderful shows. You know, um, he sang with them, and they adored him. I stayed good friends with Tim. Anyway, when it came to Barry's This Is Your Life, um, you know, obviously I got a lot of the, the usuals, but I wanted, you know, as I said to Barry, we need to reinvent you, and the wonderful thing is the Doug Anthony's and all that have really taken you on board here and, and, and nurtured you. Um, so you've got a whole young audience. And they reformed, when I say reformed, they came together for the first time to come back after they'd broken up to come on Barry's This Is Your Life. The lovely Tim Ferguson from uh, the Doug Anthony All-Stars. All of them, you know. I mean, we're talking all three of those boys. Well, we've uh, also got Richard Feidler from Radio National's oh, Conversation. Oh, Richard. And then the Adelaide Fringe's first ambassador for 2013, Mr Paul McDermott. Well, I'm telling you, those three boys gave me my first belief that I was going to laugh in Australia. I understand, not a great time for you to be in Australia, but hopefully we've had some fun together, you, me, and a bit of a chat <laughs> with the listener. It's been um, delightful, may I say. It's been an absolute delight to talk to. You really have. It's, it's, thank you so much. Oh, you've made it so much easier. What are we looking for on the iTunes? We're looking for not a play. Not a well woman. No, no. I, I, there, <laughs> there, there, there's many of those on iTunes, but what are we looking for? Not a well woman is the name of the play you can download. It was originally done on stage, and then I put it together for audio. And you can hear my famous rap song on it. So you can download me, darling. Very careful when you do it, because I'm older now. Katie Manning, thanks for your time. Oh, thank you so very much. And I'm sending huge hugs to wonderful Adelaide. Katie Manning, who played Joe Grant in Doctor Who. As mentioned, that is the final part of the In the Archives, part six and seven of a chat that occurred a number of years ago. In the last few minutes, we've heard the results of the Logies for 2019. I'll go through some of them in just a moment. Before I do, Olivia Coleman was the reason I thought I'd dive in 
and give you that particular chat at this particular moment. Alrighty. Logies 2019, I'm just going to go down the list like I would if I was on air and uh, see if any of these uh, bring you some joy, sparking joy. Most popular actor goes to Luke McGregor of Rosehaven. Most popular actress, Deborah Mailman in Bite Club Mystery Road. Most popular presenter goes to Costa of Gardening Australia. The Graham County Award for Most Popular New Talent goes to Dylan Olcott of uh, Triple J Radio these days of the Victus Games tonight and the set. The TV Week Gold Logie for most popular personality on Australian TV goes to a guy called Tom Gleeson. Most popular drama program to Mystery Road. Most popular entertainment program Google Box Australia. Most popular comedy program goes to Have You Been Paying Attention. Most popular reality program MasterChef Australia. Most popular lifestyle program going in with Costa there with Gardening Australia. Most popular panel or current affairs show that goes to the project there's also the most outstanding drama series was wentworth most outstanding mini series or telly movie bloom most outstanding actor scott ryan in something called ray showsmith and mr in between most outstanding actress as mentioned already jenna coleman for joanna she portrayed in the cry most outstanding supporting actor, Frankie J. Holden of Roy Briggs and A Place Called Home. Most outstanding supporting actress, Jackie Weaver for Gwen Road and Bloom. Most outstanding entertainment program, Have You Been Paying Attention? So they get two gongs. Most outstanding children's program, That, which has the voice of Megan Washington, the singer. Bluey wins that one. Most outstanding sports coverage goes to the 2018 FIFA World Cup. The most outstanding news coverage of public affairs reporting the coverage of the Thai cave rescues for Four Corners. Most outstanding factual or documentary program, Ron Idle's The Good Cop. And the most outstanding reality program, Australian Survivor Champions versus Contenders. A quick run through and just repeating the gold, going to a guy who said he'd can his program. Uh, commiserations to the wonderful Sam Mack missing out on the gold Logie this time round, as well as radio great Amanda Keller. That's an extremely fast rundown of what's been happening as terms of the winners of the gold Logie and the Logies in general for 2019. TV Black Box is a podcast I've mentioned before. They definitely will be all over the awards night. I've seen them online having a bit of conversation amongst themselves, the likes of Rob McKnight. Steve Malk, as well as Sarah Monaghan, and hopefully Steve Brookie Brook will be on board as well. That's a different podcast I'm not part of, but one I like to listen to called TV Black Box for all your TV news and industry insider goss. Next episode, Kathy Renner, our very special guest. As I mentioned, a bit of homework if you wish to have a listen to her album beforehand. It's called Inside My Head. Thanks very much for your company. You can follow on the socials at Radio Notes Podcast. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 